When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast, the United show brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. Kesara, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Stephen Railson made it home in time for tea. Uh, I'm your host, Rich Fay, and on today's podcast, we'll wish our colleague all the best for booking today off work prematurely. Look back at United's Wembley win at the weekend and have our say on how far Ten Hag can take his side. Now, it was a day in which United's expertise and doggedness got them over the line, so. Who better to join us on the podcast than our own two uh, experienced United writers, Samuel Luckhurst and Tyrone Marshall. Start with you, Samuel. How are you doing? How was Wembley? I, I'm very well, thank you. That that reminds me, Stephen, taking the day off the time, about half the desk took the day off the day after the Euro 2020 final in anticipation of England winning it. And then, of course, <laughs> uh, they didn't. So, uh, so some things never change there. But I think you and I were working that day, Rich. We're working again today. So that, that shows, shows our commitment to the cause and... and uh, I think time might have been as well or you might have been the whole day yeah. but uh yes yeah it was um it was a, a long day a tiring day but a fulfilling one and uh it's, it's always good to to be at Wembley uh, irrespective of what the occasion is yeah Ty I suppose that is the sort of overriding message isn't it that yeah it's not the trophy United were maybe aiming for it's not the ultimate prize but it's a day out to Wembley United winning a trophy what more can you ask for really yeah, that's it. It's a prize, nonetheless. It's a it's a trophy, nonetheless. And you know, there there is a sort of a, a trait here of of brilliant Premier League managers winning the League Cup or or reaching the final and doing something in the League Cup and it leading to greater things. I think you know Mourinho won it in his first season with Chelsea. I think Guardiola won it in his first season with City. Both of them were were pretty successful at, at those clubs. I think Klopp reached the final and lost in his first season at Liverpool. So you know, it, it is. It is a stepping stone, but it's still a trophy worth celebrating. You look at the reaction of, of people like Casemiro and Varane, who have won the lot yesterday, and it's you know it, it didn't look to them like it was some kind of, of B-rate competition and, and B-rate medal that's going to go straight in a draw when they get them. And Samuel as well, first trophy for Eric Ten Hag at United. I mean, should we just talk about the, the match itself, really? I mean, United handled the occasion, I suppose, better than Newcastle. They got over the line, they did enough, and they they were worthy winners in the end. They were. You could tell they were the more experienced uh, team out there, and they had more seasoned winners as well. I think that's it was quite fitting that Casemiro got the what was the winning goal. And 
Varane was terrific behind him. Uh, it was interesting afterwards that, that Ten Hag, he, he was asked about Martinez and Varane as a partnership, but he stressed the importance of having Casemiro in there and also Anthony in there, these four players who have really changed the identity of the team. This this rebranding of United as quite a Latino side as well, how they celebrate goal kicks, how they celebrate tackles. Those players have been at the core of it. And they are all winners. Uh, Anthony and Martinez won things with Ten Hag in, uh, in the Netherlands with Ajax. And although it's, it's only the Eredivisie, they did have winning habits. They are accustomed to winning. And perhaps we underestimated uh, have them having that skill, uh, them, them being that familiar with winning when they came to United because there, there were reservations with, with those players. But, but Martinez has been one of the signings of the season. And, and as for the game itself, United didn't actually play particularly well at all. They just killed Newcastle uh, in a six-minute spell. Uh, in, in some ways, it showed the, the game showcased United's uh, shortcomings in that goals are hard to come by. One goal was from a set piece. The other one was an own goal. I don't know how the EFL have credited to Rashford. I mean, the replay shows as clear as day. The ball is going nowhere near um, towards goal. Sometimes if it's, you know, going in the vicinity of it you think okay just give it to him but it was a clear out goal it's almost like a they're playing a popularity contest there and trying to give it to Rashford but although you, the goals are still hard to come by for United it's not hard for them to win games anymore uh, they are very very good at that this season and the way they've managed this February has been terrific um, I think they've only been there have been three draws, maybe. Uh, Leeds was a draw. Barcelona away was a draw. Um, I might be forgetting another one because there have been so, so many games. But to have ended this this February unbeaten, having beaten Barcelona, won the cup final, third in the Premier League, that is some going. And it's got to the point now where if they enter the March internationals in the semi-finals of the FA Cup, in the quarterfinals of the Europa League and in the top three of the Premier League, nobody would be surprised that the belief is... is coursing around the club at the moment and that's that's a testament to the terrific job Ten Hag has done and I thought during the second half yesterday United didn't play well I thought the players were managing the game quite poorly as well in particular Fernandez. Ten Hag intervened by putting on a couple of fresh midfielders Sabitzer got them higher up the pitch and all of a sudden United were getting on the ball a lot more and if they if they if the team was getting on the ball at that stage of the game in a final, then it's you know slowly but surely um, the, the the opponent's chance of winning is going to subside even further. So Newcastle played pretty well, I thought, uh, up until the the first goal that went in. But they were just so completely deflated by that. And although this was probably the most eagerly anticipated League Cup final certainly in my lifetime, just just for the uh, the presence of Newcastle, their trophy drought, United's own trophy drought as well. I, I never sensed that this was going to be a game for the purists. It was never going to be you know, reminiscent of the days of Keegan and Ferguson or, or Sir Bobby Robson's or Alex Ferguson. Uh, the, there were a lot of gold fests uh, when, when their teams came together. But I suppose what was unexpected was the manner of United's win. You didn't expect, in looking at it effectively, that they had that final boxed off before half-time because Newcastle just had... It was, they were really just limited to sterile domination in the second half. And Eddie Howe probably this morning uh, is is looking at it, and he'll probably regret playing Callum Wilson. If if you're Martinez and Varane, you'd rather play against Callum Wilson than Alexander Isak. I thought that was a mistake by Howe, and 
as, as credibly as, as Carriers did with a couple of saves. The second goal, Nick Pope probably saves it, and that was particularly deflating for Newcastle. So it's often been, you know, a, a, a concern of United that they don't have lots of winners in the squad. Yes, they've got a couple of serial winners, but a lot of the teams hadn't won trophies. That has obviously now been ticked, and lots of the players have said that they want to use this as a springboard going forward, really. How big do you think it is for United that they have finally won this trophy? There's, there could be no more... You can't keep bringing out the trophy drought line. We can't keep on saying that you know United haven't won for, for so long. They have done it now, and they've got this, this winning mentality. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it can become a habit. I remember Oli Gunnar Solskjaer used to say all the time, and his United made a habit of reaching semi-finals and, and, and that one final, and he used to always say, if this team wins together once, then they'll win together a lot because the feeling becomes addictive. The the getting the medal and particularly just the being being on the pitch, celebrating with your teammates, like the scenes we saw at full time. You do it once as a group and you want it more and more and more. And you do see that quite often. And I think that made sense from Solskjaer. His problem was that his team could never get over the line. United have done it now and you you do think it could it could be the start of something and you know, I, I interviewed um, Varane with a few other Sunday newspaper reporters for for the day of the final, and asked him about the say that that idea really, and, and asked him about his first trophy at Real Madrid, and he said Real hadn't won anything for six years. I think it was about four years they'd gone without winning the league, um, which is you know is the equivalent to a lifetime really for Real Madrid in in La Liga. And he said that one trophy just just changed everything. It did become a habit. It did become an addiction, and. You can see the same sort of thing happening at United. I think it is getting over the line is huge, partly for the experience of, of having done it. And like you say, there's there's people like um, Dallow off the top of my head, um, who's finally won a United trophy. Harry Maguire, I guess. Luke Shaw playing in a winning team in a final at last. Um, so, the, so there are players there as well. Fernandez, who are, are winning things for the first time with with United and winning, you know, beyond sort of. A little bit disparaging and say minor leagues, but you know, for for Fernandez, it's you know, winning winning the Portuguese league is one thing. This is um, having success in England with United is 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 another level, even though he's won league titles. Um, so yeah, I think it, it is a step in the right direction, and, and not just for the experience, but for that idea of um, it just becoming of of wanting it more and more and more, basically. And that was kind of the theme of um, well, what a few players were saying post match on on TV yesterday. Um, spoke to Vuvegos as well in the mix out afterwards and he sort of said the same thing that once you've done it once you want it again and again and the great thing for United is is like Samuel says they, they've got the chance to do it again and again and again this has been a six year trophy drought I don't think anyone would be surprised if, if this drought lasts about three months because there's I, I can only see Arsenal stopping them over two legs in the Europa League I don't think any other team over two legs gets close to, to United particularly um, and the FA Cup, I mean, you've just got to avoid City away in the quarterfinals, really, haven't you? To think you, you've got a, a decent chance of, of winning that or, or reaching the final as well. You get City at Old Trafford or City at Wembley, and it's, it's a different game than going to the Etihad. So I think there's every chance that United win at least one more trophy this season. Yeah, in the course of the Europa League, if you get Arsenal, they might be so focused on trying to win the title That's anyway it. that yeah. it's as yeah. United. Yeah. Samuel, I suppose the question is. What's different this time of United? Because other than David Moyes, there has been moments under three previous United managers where it's felt like something's 
special might be happening. It feels like they might have turned a corner and they end up going around in circles. You know, Van Gaal won an FA Cup you know, right at the end. Mourinho won trophies during his time. Solskjaer got to finals. He had big wins. What's different now for United? Uh, Van Gaal did uh, pop into my head yesterday when Ten Hag came in with the League Cup and placed it on the table in front of him because that is what Van Gaal did when he won the FA Cup in 2016 um, unfortunately for Louis uh, United had already decided by then to, to sack him and, and he seemed to be literally the only person on the planet who was oblivious to the wheels being set in motion on that he, even his wife that tweeted that uh, his, his days were numbered at United um, I, I think with I mean at the risk of giving quite a succinct history lesson unfortunately with Van Gaal that his, his team peaked in the first season they had a a very good spell in 2015, tailed off a bit, but they qualified for the Champions League. And I think his biggest mistake the next season was to revert to a more conservative formation. Ironically, the formation United playing at the moment, but it was the way United played and people easily forget how stultifying the football was. And come come the run in that season, the final months of that season, you had supporters vowing not to renew their season tickets if the manager was retained. Mourinho just was not, he was not backed in the summer when they had to back him. Uh, they finished second. They got to the FA Cup final, finished runners-up. A trophyless season, but undeniable progress. And then the tap was turned off. And as as you would expect with Mourinho as manager, things spiralled. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, he, he, he did exceed expectations by staying in the role as long as he did. And United did finish second in, in one season. A lot of mitigation behind that. United were very good at essentially playing training ground football without supporters there um, but when it came to the biggest test that season or the biggest tests they went out of the Champions League at the group stage and the Europa League final was a disaster class and that season really did master the reality with Solskjaer as manager um, and unfortunately for United the power brokers decided to give him a new contract and with the playing field level the next season they were exposed with with the expectations raised and and Solskjaer was never going to deliver a title at United I mean it's it's remarkable some even thought it was it was possible I think we all expected some sort of a challenge from them after the signings they made 18 months ago but the, the, the manager was just not up to it with with Ten Hag as, as I've said before, it's it's the best decision United have made in in ten years uh, easily. He and he's he's the best thing to have happened to them since Mourinho. If you're just going off, um, actually winning trophies and um, overseeing a, a style of football that the supporters can get behind, they they can mix it up. United. Uh, there were times yesterday where they were opting for a bit of gamesmanship. You know trying to beat Newcastle at their own game. They didn't need to completely depend on it, but they weren't averse to it. Uh, the, the character in that squad is as important as the quality. I think we all wrote about that in the summer, how they needed good characters in that dressing room after having some bad apples in the dressing room last season. And to, to United supporters that you speak to, they, they look at the squad and they find, it, they find them likeable. And those players who've been marginalised by uh, Ten Hag, they're not leaking stories. It's become very difficult to get negative stories about United this season because they've been so positive. Uh, we, yeah, we, we're not proactively looking for um, nuggets of, uh, you know, any, any mudslinging out there at all. Uh, sometimes it just falls on your lap. But it's been few and far between this season because Ten Hag has got everyone in that dressing room behind him. And that's probably what 
none of the previous managers had entirely. Uh, but Mourinho did to an extent, certainly after the third season. I think with Solskjaer, the manager, sorry, the players appreciated him and liked him, but they always felt he was a soft touch. And there were um, there were cliques in that dressing room in terms of you know it was it was it's been public knowledge what someone like Eric Bailly thought of. Uh, favoritism about English players, which was complete guff, but he he felt resentment. He wasn't the only one who uh, was felt he was mismanaged by Solskjaer. I mean, we've not even touched on Ralph Rangnick because he was an interim. But <laughs> again, we've all written and spoken about how United players just weren't having his methods, and uh, that that spiraled pretty spectacularly as well with some some really chastening thumpings with with Ten Hag. He's a disciplinarian. Um, the, the, the Ronaldo decision was key. I mean, Ronaldo did United a massive favour, and it was quite amusing seeing um, his his friend. He was supposed to interview him, but he didn't. He pretty much just gave him an ego massage back in November. But his friend was uh, deriding United celebrations yesterday. And the irony, of course, is that if Ronaldo hadn't had his therapeutic interview uh, that week when United played Villa in the third round of the League Cup. He'd have been eligible for a medal, but unfortunately for him, he's he's not eligible for a medal. So um, he's he's got the Saudi Pro League, I suppose. There's there's always that to win this season. Thank you very much. We'll be back after this short break. Welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast, uh, Tyrone and. We spoke about United's performance overall at, at Wembley. Deserved winners. Who stood out for you uh, in the Wembley showcase? Um, Casemiro and both the centre halves were good. Martinez, I thought, was very good second half. But it was one of those, you know, it was one of those performances where there was no, you know, it, Casemiro was man of the match. But that, that wasn't his best performance in the United shirt. Um, he he was good, but. He wasn't exceptional, I don't think. I don't think there was a 9 out of 10 in there. I'm not even sure there was really an 8 out of 10, maybe Casemiro. Um, but it was, you know, it, it was, when you win it, a final is always memorable. But as a game of football, it wasn't memorable at all. It was, I thought it was a pretty poor quality game of, of football, really. United played well for six minutes and got the job done and then and then sat back. And Newcastle are, are not a come-from-behind team and they're also running out of steam fairly quickly I think they've scored three in the last seven in the Premier League they've only scored two goals in a game once in this in this calendar year I think they've played 10 now so I think at 2-0 United knew it was job done so it was just a a professional performance so I, I think Casemiro was, was rightly the man of the match when you when you're a defensive midfielder and you score a goal and keep a clean sheet it, it you know it probably puts you in that in that conversation at the very least and the centre-halves were, were good in the in the second half other than that, I don't think there was anyone who was who played above their level, shall we say. Um, it was just a comfortable performance, and it was a, a fairly professional performance. When, when you think about it, Samuel mentioned the, the context of the whole of February there. When you think about this week, and, and they were always on the back foot to a degree against Newcastle, because Newcastle have had an entire week to prepare for their biggest game in, in 24 years, basically. United were focused against playing one of the biggest teams in Europe on Thursday night. They've had a day to prepare. For, for Newcastle, basically. You think United have beaten Barcelona and won a cup final in the space of four days. And in four halves of football, they've played above average for maybe one of them in the second half on Thursday. First half against Barcelona, 
they were you know they were relatively poor i guess the two halves here they were they were no better than okay even though they won the game but that's a, a great trait to have in terms of managing your, your moments of, of when to peak to to beat barcelona and win a cup final without being at your best and, and sort of managing your way through those games is it's what it's basically what great teams do isn't it because they can't they they if they'd have played full throttle 90 minutes brilliantly against Barcelona, then maybe they couldn't have done what they did yesterday. So I think they deserve deserve credit for the way they've managed this week and, and achieved this week. And even going back to last week, the same against Leicester, really. They were they were they were I mean I was on holiday at the time, but they were pretty average first half against Leicester, weren't they? And they turned dreadful. it round in the second half and, and it you know, it speaks to Ten Hag's in game management again, which I think we've all waxed lyrical about now, is his ability to see a game and, and change a game is is phenomenal. But they've had they've had another brilliant week when you take the Leicester game, they've had two two above average halves out of six. And they've they've won all three of those games. And I think that that says a lot about their mentality in that squad at the moment, that they are just finding ways, like someone said before, they're finding ways to win and, and get the job done, even on days in cup finals and against teams of the quality of Barcelona. Yeah, of course. And as we always seem to say, you know, it's consequentialism. If you win, then that's justified the approach of the yeah. game and that's all that yeah. matters on cup final day. It doesn't matter how you get over the line as long as you do. So, yeah, a memorable day out for United fans. Uh, Samuel, special special guest at, at Wembley, obviously. Anton Dex sat well apart and despondent by full time. So Alex Ferguson was there as well. And so too was Avram Glazer. And United took the opportunity, particularly as the, the full-time whistle loomed, to air their annoyances, their feelings towards the Glazer family amid the, the takeover talk. How important do you think it was that United still voice it, or United fans still voiced their message and their concerns on such a, a big stage? It's, it's obviously it's their prerogative and they feel very, very um, cross, to put it mildly, about the Glazer family and have done since the takeover in in may 2005 there's there's no getting away from it uh they've been very by and large quite consistent with the protests there've there've been certain years where uh there, there haven't been really any protests there've been there's been the old chanting games but it's it's probably come up to nearly 12 months now that there's been a, a concerted campaign to to get the glazer family um, out of, of of United and and to end their their occupation of them, but you know I, it was inevitable it was going to happen yesterday. Uh, I, you half wonder if the the red, white, and black scarves. Like I'm sure some sports were thinking, well, is that to try and um, you know colour over any green and gold on display? That there, there was nowhere near as much green and gold as there was for the 2010 League Cup final against Aston Villa when that green and gold protest was at its height that started in in january of that year and the momentum was sustained until the end of the season and the end of the season was a bit of a killer for it because it never really restarted and was as as, as vibrant or as present as it was during those um th those four months or so so it was it was inevitable that the glazer would get booed if if he was ever uh you know if they ever realised that he was there, which clearly they did. They didn't need a big screen to realise he was there. There were a couple of chants uh, aimed at Avram Glazer. And then, of course, when it is full-time and the stadium obviously wants to give supporters um, a particularly intimate view of, of celebrations, there's, there's Avram Glazer uh, congratulating the players, congratulating Ten Hag. He was by the dressing room 
um, after the game as well. I think it was only the sixth United game he's attended in the last four years. Um, I think there'll be PSG away, Brighton at home, Chelsea at home. And it might have been Barcelona home and away and yesterday. So he's clearly one who prefers bigger games to attend, which uh, is, is always something that United fans like to take the mickey out of their own fans if they just rock up the big games. There was, there was one lad I spoke to in, in Germany who encountered Anthony Crawler and he had been ribbing him about apparently only attending big United games and this was Crawler out in San Sebastian so United against Real Sociedad so um, you know, allegiances run very very deep and you can get called a part-timer for not even venturing to Chisinau these days I think among uh, some of the Andraks but no, it, there's there's really little to, to add on it um, fortunately for us it was a week where there were two big games and you could just focus on the football uh, and, and shut out all that noise uh, there was a lot of build-up to both games as there should be when Man United and Barcelona play each other and as there should have been for the Newcastle final uh, given that Newcastle were going for their first domestic trophy in nearly 70 years and um, six, nearly six years that's that's a very long time in United's history the, the last time they'd gone that long without winning a trophy was between 1977 and, and 1983 so you're going back 40 years so there were um, there were interesting narratives at play to certainly make, make it quite an exciting build up for the final and that was despite the fact that the week was punctured by um, sorry punctuated by by the Barcelona game so it wasn't that the build-up wasn't as ramped up as much as it could have been and we we conducted our interviews with Lissandra Martinez and Marcus Rashford three weeks before the final it was the day after the Crystal Palace game uh, so it was, it was somewhat strange you're talking to these players who are knackered after getting through quite an arduous shift with which about a quarter of it was spent with with 10 men and they're having to look forward to, ahead to a final that's in three weeks' time, and they're going to have two games against Leeds, two games against Barcelona, another game against Leicester before then. But again, it's a credit to the United players and the staff and Ten Hag that they've not been they've not been remotely um, thrown by the takeover talk or the bids that have been submitted, at least the public bids that have been submitted. And Ten Hag as well, he, he handled the, the couple of questions he felt that he received on, on Avram Glazer quite well yesterday. I think he, I think he just said he was really happy for the club and he wanted to be a part of it, I think was the, the quote he used, but he stressed that um, what he was saying uh, was was not in any way a reference to what Avram Glazer was thinking as regards to a possible takeover of United. So uh, I don't think it was a surprise that, that Glazer was present because I said it was a, it was a cup final when he's got form for attending games uh, against the elite. Ty, I guess in terms of on the pitch then, what do you think the future holds for United and Ten Hag? How far can he take them? We've been here, I mean, like you said, the bingo card this week has just been, whenever anyone says the word springboard, this can sure. be, you know, the stepping stone for future success, but it could also not be. What do United need to do next? And where do you think they are on their journey under Ten Hag? I mean, it certainly feels like they're going in the right direction, doesn't it? Yeah, when you asked about false dawns before there, and I think there was questions to players on on TV and in the mix zone afterwards about why is this different this time. And I mean, the reality is we don't we don't know at the moment that it's any difference. And at the time, those didn't feel like false dawns; they felt different as well. Um, you know, looking back with hindsight, you you can say 
um, that that things weren't, you know, maybe there was. This, this does feel like it is something bigger than what we've had previously. Even you know the, the two trophies in Mourinho's first season. The the issue with Mourinho was that he'd never been a long term manager anywhere particularly. It always felt like that was sort of time dependent because that had always been his his style. Um, and this you know this it, this does feel clearly different but that doesn't mean it's going to be different they still have to go out and and prove it but I think he's it certainly feels like he's the most popular manager since since Ferguson when the when the players pass the cup down along the Royal Box yesterday and and the pictures come up on the big screen and everyone gets a cheer the loudest cheer from the fans by a long long way was for for Ten Hag and as as popular as some of those players are it is the manager that the fans clearly love and, and that feels reciprocal given he was talking about how much he loves United in the the press conference as well. But I think I think the fans can see that he is the manager. He's kind of restored power to the position of manager of of Manchester United and every single player who we interview now mentions discipline and, and things like that. And he's he's clearly got the authority back in that position. His his reading of, of in game management is absolutely brilliant and I think you know, I think all the fans and will say this is this is going to be the start of something that they can win something else this season and they can challenge for the title. I mean, arguably they're already challenging for the title. I think it's it's still going to be a leap this season to to win it. But they're they're still in the conversation. They could go closer next year if they they sign a striker and another midfielder. And it you know it does it does feel like it is the start of something. But they have to prove it and and kick on because. We have we have been in situations before where there have been significant spells where things feel like they're they're going better. Even under Solskjaer, I think there was a run under Solskjaer of one defeat in in was it twenty eight league games, twenty nine league games, something like that across two seasons, and that you know that that's an incredible run of form. And and granted, it a lot of it was behind closed doors, and again in hindsight that clearly suited United. But at the time, there were people who thought he was onto something there, and that they'd struck lucky by appointing Moulders manager when in in reality they hadn't and purely because this is uh, this is Ten Hag it does um you know it does feel different but it was refreshing actually to, I was on the one of the early trains down from um from Wigan yesterday and I think we all remember 12 months ago now I think we all in well certainly I, I remember I think Samuel said the same that we were leaning towards Pochettino at the time and the yeah. online consensus was always behind Ten Hag when a lot of those people who wanted Ten Hag would have never seen Ajax play a domestic game under him. He was just the the fashionable manager, and it was refreshing to hear a, a big group of matchgoers like on Pep. the train talking about. Uh, yeah, looks like Pep. Ajax seemed to be doing pretty well. This young manager, no idea what formation yeah. he plays. Where's Turtle? Yeah, yes, yeah. good it. vibes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never seen him play, but he ticks every box. Um, and the, there was this group of matchgoers basically saying that they they didn't know what to expect and weren't sure about him because they didn't know anything about him. And, you know, you, you don't always get that sort of honesty. But I think for a lot of matchgoers, that was the reality, that they liked maybe the cut of his jib. But in all honesty, they they hadn't seen his team play. I don't think Dutch football is even on British telly. And if it is, why would you watch it? There's plenty of other games on. Um, so, you know, it was just... It was it was refreshing to hear them admit that they, they didn't know what to expect. And I think everyone's been surprised by him the, the fans clearly love him now because he's he has got that power, that control. He has brought that team spirit back, but he also controls that dressing room. And I think it, you know, it, it does feel like the start of something. It doesn't feel like this is a false dawn, but they still have to go out and, and prove that is the case. 
Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Tyler. It was just a fresh start and something different because United had tried every type of manager really since you know since Ooh. Ferguson's gone. They'd gone okay. for the chosen one. They'd gone from elite managers, people with the pedigree of winning. They'd gone for the wild cards in Solskjaer, the club legend, and they just didn't work. So Ten Hag was just different, really, and and it has played mm-hmm. out that way. I suppose Samuel, a tough question, but. Hopefully you can give your opinion on it. What do you think needs to be done next then for United to take this next step? I think the consensus has always been that we think they are sort of best of the rest. They are they're certainly, you know, in the discussion of, of someone, of a team that if they you know, get their stuff together and the other teams falter, they can take advantage of, of this title charge. But still feels like there's work to be done before United are sort of credible title challenges properly. What is the next step for you? Is it about just signing more players or is it just sort of gradual improvement and, and tactical variations as well? Because as we've all said, they're still not quite dominant in games and, and convincing at the moment. No, and that's that's also a positive in that they've achieved what they have done while still not hitting their peak under Ten Hag. The the, the blueprint really is, is the, the Tottenham performance earlier this season. The way they played that night, the, the dominance, uh, just how intense they were. And they look against Barcelona in, in both games, they, they played front foot football. Uh, they were they were intense again. It's it's difficult to recall United going up against a, a properly elite team uh, away from home and taking the game to them. And they did that in Camp Nou. The, the performance in Camp Nou was better than at Old Trafford. And sometimes things work out that way. You you win games that you don't play particularly well in, and the the Newcastle final was was an example of that. United didn't necessarily have to hit top gear in that game because Newcastle, uh, were, as I said, they, they just seemed so demoralised by how quickly those two goals went in that um, they, they seemed a bit un, unsure as to how to proceed. And and they're also not a very uh, prolific team when it comes to. Um, putting the ball in the back of the net. So that was always going to be an issue. I think for the final to have been a properly absorbing contest, Newcastle probably had to score first. So it, it would have been in pretty fascinating to see what how it would how it would have panned out had St Maximum taken that chance when, when De Gea did well to, to deny him. Um, but as, as far as United are concerned, I think they've only got two more league games before the March internationals unless they go out of the FA Cup to West Ham and that Brighton game would still have to be played provided that Brighton don't go through in the FA Cup and I think looking at their draw um, was, are they away at Stoke or something like that you'd you'd fancy Brighton to get through as well so the likelihood is United will only have two more league games in the next in the next four weeks because you've, you've got March internationals and then uh, I think they're due at Newcastle on the 2nd or the 3rd of April so they're, they're not going to be second going into the March internationals but Ten Hag has said about if they're in a similar situation they're in now in April then it's fair to say they've they've got a chance um I I just I've I've always been quite consistent on it I, I think that they're a couple of players short um I, I still don't see them as title challenges I don't think they're in the conversation yet I think they need a couple more uh statement wins and to be possibly you know, possibly second as well to really be considered as credible challengers. Uh, it's not beyond them, but with the fixture congestion um, and, and with the commitments in the other cup competitions, you sense that they they will come a cropper in the league. It's probably the wrong turn of phrase because if they finish third this season in the Premier League, that is that's an undeniable, undeniably successful league season. Uh, 
but it's just a strange they're in a strange situation now because I don't think anybody really anticipated United would be third coming into spring uh, with Chelsea so far behind Liverpool quite a way behind uh, there's a nice cushion between third and fifth now so this season is all but certain to be regarded as an undeniable success that they've won a trophy and they are almost certain to be in, in, in the Champions League next season and there's, there's the possibility of more silverware as well so strangely there, there could be there's there's a slight risk of, of feeling disappointed at the end of the season but the bigger picture is this should be a very successful season for United and they will need to be decisive in the summer and getting in a goal scorer and a midfielder at the very minimum other positions are dependent on who goes out uh, if Maguire is sold and United have got him down to as a player who will be up for sale, they will probably need a centre-back as as cover. Uh, Donny van der Beek is never going to hack it at United, but does his injury compromise what they can do with him in the summer? Probably does. And does would, would Ten Hag just say, well, let's let's keep him as a body because it's, it's good for the squad. Um, it's, it's in the squad's interest. So I, I think the interesting thing in the summer is that there should be, and there needs to be more outgoings than incomings this time. They had six players... Sorry, five permanent players come in in the summer. Um, I mean, I think they've how many signings they made now under Ten Hag? It's it's nine. So it's it's not it's it's actually one short of uh, Ralph Rang- Rangnick's recommendation of, of of ten ten months ago, uh, albeit not all of them have been permanent. But you can see why they've had to make those those additions at the time. And the permanent ones, all of them have been good to varying degrees. So Ten Hag's hit rate is strong. As long as they've got the funds available, they've got to make two, I think, at the very minimum, two statement signings. Other areas of the squad, I think maybe a month or two ago, would have still said they need a right back in the summer. But the way Aaron Wan-Bissaka has performed since uh, since the World Cup ended would indicate that's not necessarily a pressing error anymore because he's another player that, that Ten Hag has, has clearly improved. Right, thank you very much, Will. Join us in part three when we will look ahead to United's upcoming FA Cup tie against West Ham. See you in a minute. So tie is back to cup action in midweek. Eric Ten Hag said this at full time. There wasn't going to be much uh, allowance for celebrations. United have to focus on the task in hand. West Ham in the FA Cup. What do you think the mood will be like ahead of that one? Do you think it's going to be difficult for United to always pick themselves up and, and go into that game after two really sort of full, fully intense matches that were draining emotionally and physically? Yeah, possibly. Um, someone, I can't remember who it was, but someone did say um, yesterday, United fan did say to me that they, they feared that that could be a, a tricky game on, on Wednesday and harder than it looks and a, and a potential banana skin. Um but at the same time, it's it's David Moyes, isn't it? Um, you know, it kind of kind of does the job itself. I know they they won there. Uh, I think they won them in the cup. Was it last year or a year before? Um, they were good in the league yeah, this season. League though, cup last season. Yeah, league cup. It was last season, wasn't it? They were, to be fair. Yeah, and they obviously had a a, a big win at the weekend, didn't they? Um, but you still feel that at Old Trafford, United are just going to have too much for them really that you know can make a couple of changes I guess could bring Sabitzer in could bring Sancho in freshen things up um so so yeah there's the there is the possibility it's a 
uh, a banana skin game for obvious reasons, coming down from that emotional high from two huge games in four days to a more run-of-the-mill um, cup fixture. But you still feel like United are going to be strong favourites and things would have to go things would have to go quite badly wrong for them to to get knocked out, I think, against uh, against West Ham, given the season West Ham are winning. Even though they had that big result, it, you know, it was only Nottingham Forest. Um, and they haven't really shown the form of the consistency that they were showing last year when, when they won that League Cup game. And yeah, granted, they were very good at, at, um, at Old Trafford in the league earlier this season, but that was still fairly early on. And feels like United are a far better side now than they were back then. Uh, Ty, I'll stick with you on this one then. I mean, you've already mentioned in the pod that, you know, United could be celebrate another trophy by the end of the campaign. Do you make United sort of second favourites then for the FA Cup now? I mean, of course, so many of the big hitters are already knocked out. And uh, like you said, if they can avoid City um, away, then yeah, they surely they can beat anyone on their day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd be very surprised if they weren't second favourites. I think Tottenham are the only other big six side left. They've got Sheffield United away. Um probably should should win that game but I think with Tottenham is you just you just don't know at the moment they're so inconsistent and if they do you know if they do get through that game then I think it's you wouldn't want to draw Tottenham away in the quarterfinals either that would be a a, a difficult fixture but yeah I would make them uh, it's time died on yours as well so yeah the FA Cup yeah, for sure oh, here he is yeah, Ty, sorry, there's some connectivity issues there. But I think basically what you're saying is United are back and they're going to win the FA Cup. That's all sum up. <laughs> yeah, from, uh, basically. From that, was, that, uh, that was the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, I used a few more words than that, but that was the gist of it, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Samuel, stick with you. Um, in terms of changes for the game, Ty mentioned there, you know, Sabitzer could come in. I suppose McTominay could come in. There's yeah. possible changes at fullback as well. In defence, maybe. Could put Maguire in, potentially Lindelof as well. How do you think United should approach the game and are you expecting them to, to feel a few changes? They, they need to. They did look, some of the players did look dead on their feet yesterday, uh, unsurprisingly, after two two real shifts put in there. And uh, I mean, Fernandez was telling us the other week that he, he's not happy if he doesn't complete 90 minutes, but th- there have to be games where he is managed um, in, in quite a sensible way. But again, you look at the, the options there, it's, it's a square peg in a round hole and it's not really worked from the start with someone else playing as the number 10 from the start other than Fernandez. They've, they've tried it with Sancho. They've tried it with with Vekhorst and Vekhorst did okay in the first half yesterday as, as long as he wasn't in the penalty area. You put him in the penalty area, he's, he's pretty dreadful, which is a problem given that he's a striker. But there is merit to his play from deep. Uh, but they've. I, th- I thought that was another thing that was that could have been potentially decisive at Wembley and that was that United's bench was quite deep and it was to an extent as I said with, with Sabitza and, and McTominay coming on I think that United were energised by by those two um, re-energised rather and one of them you'd think has got to start against West Ham it does help that there's a four day gap until the Liverpool game uh, You know, it does make games tougher when you're playing Thursday, Sunday because the day after a game, it's recovery. The day after that, it's one training session, and then it's into another big game. And pretty much every game at this stage of the season is is a big one. And it was it was two of the biggest of the season last week, and it's it's Liverpool on Sunday at the risk of of, of looking beyond West Ham. But I 
you you look at the United squad and they have got they've got more than enough to to see off West Ham and, and Moyes has got this wretched record at Old Trafford, albeit it's it's mainly infamous for his his league form there. As, as Ty said, he has actually won a game in in the cup, uh, which which Ole Gunnar Solskjaer decided to rather dismissively toss off last season, which was um, which was quite peculiar given how things started to go all right not long after that uh but as, as you said i mean i think with with maguire there's there's an issue there because you look at the, the manner in which he came on yesterday and i know that united were only two nil up so there's the element of bringing him on to shore things up to ensure that they protect their lead but he is essentially in the same position that wayne rooney was at the very end of his united career when He's coming on in a game, uh, in a game that he was never ever going to start in, just so that he can he can lift the trophy, which is what Rooney did against Ajax in, in Stockholm. Uh, the difference then was that Rooney was was well over the hill, and um, I mean, remarkably, he was only thirty one. What watching him in his <laughs> last few years at United, it didn't feel like that he was in his late twenties or early thirties. So there's not a great deal of, of age difference between between him and Maguire, but Rooney was what thirteen, nearly thirteen years into his United career. Maguire is—he's not even at the four-year mark yet, but he's already in that same situation now, where he has become almost a spare part, and it will take an awful lot from him uh, and and for things to go in his way over the next few months for him to be absolutely certain of being at United next season. You you can't say for, with with any certainty that he'll be lining up against. West Ham this week. Uh, I I would question the decision to change both centre backs. I think taking Varane out would be logical because he played both games last week. But Martinez is is a non-negotiable, and the defender who the the other defender that he's actually struck up a pretty good rapport with is is Lindelof. When those two have played together, they've um, they've looked pretty good. So they they can get away with certain changes and freshening up the side. Wambasaka. It was a toss of a coin whether it was him or Dallow who was going to start against Newcastle. Wan-Bissaka was the the better right back by far. So I think if they if they keep it to about four or five changes, they should have they should still have a strong enough team to see off a team who, as, as Ty said, have um, if, if, well until until they battered Forest in the last twenty minutes, I think they were in the relegation zone. I guess you're both going to... I'd like to hear predictions, but it sounds like you're both still backing that to win a midweek then? Yes. Yeah, I think yeah. so. 2-0. Two, nil. Two hey, go give us goal scorers as well, Ty, or...? Uh, two own goals. Lovely. That's what, that's what football's all about, isn't it? The beautiful game. Um, thank you very much, uh, Ty and Samuel, for joining us today on the Manchester is Red podcast. Thank, thank you, Rich. Thank you, Rich. And thank you very much, wherever you are in the world. Uh, a reminder that we are now on YouTube. So if you search Manchester is red on there, you can find the podcast and watch it as well as listening along. And of course, thank you very much for listening on whichever platform you're on. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review if you haven't already. Take care and we'll see you again next time. <laughs> <laughs>